I think people who don't know the Bible as well, they look at God as so judgmental in the Old Testament and ready to just strike people down at a moment's notice. If you really carefully look at it, he's it's almost him begging, I don't want to have to do this. Please come back and repent and let's let's get back to, to a right relationship. But if you choose not to, you're gonna you're gonna face the consequences. And I don't want that for you. You know, and I think that's uh, that's a lot of it. Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Leviticus. Hello and good morning, friends and faithful listeners. You've tuned in to the P40 Ministries podcast on this lovely Friday morning. So thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in, as always. And you know what? I have a guest on the podcast today, and this is Steve Marston. He's a radio host down in Arkansas, correct? And uh, he works with the fish down in Arkansas. And for everybody that's uh, local tuning in, you you guys all know about the fish that's near us as well. So it's all connected. I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. And so, yes, he's he's part of that. And then he also has a podcast called Steve and Bethany's Hopecast. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to be having Bethany on as well, who is um, Steve's co-host. And she's going to be joining me in a couple weeks to talk about the book of Luke. But for now, we've got Steve here discussing Leviticus. But before we begin with that, Steve, just say a fun fact about yourself or something. A fun fact about myself. Um, Okay. Uh, I went to a a Christian high school. In fact, I, I, I went to really one day of public school my whole life. I was uh, kindergarten through 12th grade Christian school. And I was actually uh, suspended one time for eating gummy bears in high school. Really? I got a three day suspension for that. Yeah. Why? Well, it's a, it's a funny story, long story, but I, I'll tell you the short version of it. We uh, uh, had a rules crackdown, you know, where you're not to have candy in class or anything. And so one day I'm actually in between classes. This is this was my defense. I was in between classes and uh, uh, the principal saw me eat a, a gummy bear and she was not happy. And she dragged me to the office and told me I was got a three day suspension because I broke the rules. And I was like, I was in between classes. And second of all, you're selling the candy in the candy machines on campus. So, you know, wow. but, I mean, that's. That's the, it's always a funny story. And um, I, I just, I just, I laughed about it then and I laugh about it now. So it was just kind of crazy. Wow. That's funny. And uh, you know, fun fact about myself bouncing off of that story. 
I have experience with all three types of schooling. So I was homeschooled. I was private schooled at a Christian school. And then I was public schooled. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is. Very different. Every All three of them, very different. Well, you mentioned homeschooling uh, and my partner, Bethany, she was homeschooled too. So you guys will have some uh, bonding issues over that, I'm sure. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny because uh, in high school, uh, if you got caught eating gummy bears, they didn't care. But a lot of times, <laughs> I remember one, one kid in particular, we were at prom. I didn't go with him, obviously. But like this, this kid brought like vodka soaked gummy bears and he got in pretty big trouble for that wow. oh i bet good <laughs> no no mine was just regular mine was just straight out of the vending machine regular gummy no bears. vodka I yeah. didn't, I didn't have no no vodka no no i think they do i think they do marijuana with really? them now none of that no just regular old gummy bears oh, what wow. got me <laughs> yeah that's funny yeah different world i guess yeah. yeah. All right. So let's talk about Leviticus chapter 18, 19 through 30. Let's do that. Yeah. We're not going to mess around with anything fluffy or frilly no. today. We're going to really get we into it. We are going to get into it. And I got to tell you, Steve, this is one that I've been kind of dreading talking about for a while because it's it's heavy yeah. and it's hot button. And I don't like talking about hot button stuff. <laughs> Well, you and me both. I, I really don't either. And we, uh, on our podcast, we try to s- kind of stay away from it if we can at times, but especially what you do going through the book uh, of the Bibles, you know, you've got to talk about some of the hard stuff mm-hmm. sometimes. And it's not easy to hear, but the truth's the yeah. truth, you know, and we've got to recognize it and accept it and then find a way to make sure the truth is a part of our lives. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to the conversation. It should be, it should be fun, but yeah, I, I even text Bethany before we got on here. I was like, you get the book of Luke, you get all the fun <laughs> stuff talking about Jesus' birth, blah, blah, blah. I get, I get sexual <laughs> sins in Leviticus. Yeah. Lucky me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I guess, I guess I get the best of both worlds because I get the sexual sins yeah, and I get the, yeah. the birth of Jesus too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it should be, should be yeah. fun. Should be fun. I'm looking forward to talk to. And, and before we start, I, I will say this too. I, I'm really thankful because I, I've just gotten a visit with you a little bit here, not only today but also uh, we had a Zoom call earlier. And um, you know, people in my generation, I'm Generation X. People will say, "Oh." We just it's so bad the people coming behind us those millennials they're just worthless they just don't know anything about the bible they're not they're not grounded in their faith it's just we're just losing everybody well i just gotta tell you i mean i i, I so appreciate you and appreciate your heart and appreciate the uh ministry aspect that you have and and the solid foundation that you have as as a millennial and um that really does my heart good and i know i can uh uh, be able to have to tell people, no, you know what? It's not all bad. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it's not, it's not because of people like you and people like my, uh, my partner, Bethany. I mean, I, it just does my heart so good to know that you, you, you guys just aren't just, you know, superficial. You, you it's really, uh, your faith is really the foundation of your life. And so that, that does, that makes me feel so good. And to know that the next generation is going well. I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. And I do, kind of recognize what you're saying because now everybody's kind of forgetting about millennials and focusing in on Gen Z. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I was just telling Steve actually that I do a um, college and career group on Friday nights 
And I am just so impressed by the 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 guys that attend this this college and career class because they really have a heart for God. They are some of the only uh, young adults that go to our church and they're all in this group. They all stay late after church. They're very helpful. They're awesome people. And so it is really exciting to see like the younger generation stepping up for faith and for God. I just love that. So thank you, Steve. I appreciate you saying that to me and um, I try. (laughs) No, no, absolutely. And and I I mean, that's, that's, it's something that does my heart good. And, and to know that you're taking it and passing it to the next generation is just even better. So that's, that's fantastic. Thank you. And same to you as well. What it's all about. Yes, exactly. So let's go ahead and talk about Leviticus 18, 19 through 30. I'll be reading out of the W-E-B. I always do. And uh, grab your cup of coffee and let's go ahead and start. You shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is impure by her uncleanness. You shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife and defile yourself with her. You shall not give any of your children as a sacrifice to Moloch. You shall not profane the name of your God. I am Yahweh. You shall not lie with a man as with a woman. That is detestable. You shall not lie with any animal to defile yourself with it. No woman may give herself to an animal to lie down with it. It is a perversion. Don't defile yourselves in any of these things, for in all of these the nations which I am casting out before you were defiled by. The land was defiled, therefore I punished its iniquity, and the land vomited out her inhabitants. You therefore shall keep my statutes and my ordinances, and shall not do any of these abominations, neither the native-born nor the stranger who lives as a foreigner among you. For the men of that land were before you had done all of these abominations, and the land became defiled. That the land not vomit you out also, when you defile it, as it vomited out the nation that was before you. For whoever shall do any of these abominations, even the souls that do them shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore you shall keep my requirements, that you do not practice any of these abominable customs that were practiced before you, and that you do not defile yourselves with them. I am Yahweh your God. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. That's uh, pretty pretty heavy stuff, mm-hmm. right? Very. And, you know, I think the one thing that really sticks out to me is the fact that God keeps saying, I am Yahweh, your God, throughout all of this. Absolutely. And uh, you guys know that on Wednesday, we talked about the first portion of um, Leviticus chapter 18, which was talking about just different sexual rules, including incest, including, uh, well, mostly in incest, honestly, but it included all that stuff. And now we're going into stuff that's not necessarily incest, but in today's culture is kind of becoming looked at as okay, yeah. I suppose. Oh, and, and more than okay, I think, uh, accepted to the point of, uh, almost, on a higher level sometimes, you know, I, I think it's important when you're, whenever you're studying scripture, I think you, you have to kind of take the context into account. I think context is king in, in a lot of this. And yes, Leviticus was obviously written to the nation of Israel and it was written for this peculiar group of people. God called these people out to be his people, to live in the land and to be different than everybody else. And the ultimate goal, the ultimate hope was that they would uh, be seen by these other nations 
And they would, the other nations would say, well, why are you so different? Why are you acting like that? And then that would open the door to say, well, let me tell you about the God that I serve. And let me tell you mm-hmm. about Yahweh. And that was the whole point of it. So I, I think with that in mind, we, we, that's that's what these uh, uh, these laws were coming down to. Now, however, when you start talking about the the sexual sins and everything, that all of this is also affirmed not only here, but it's also affirmed in the New Testament as well. So I, I know there's some people who will look and say, "Well, that's just to Israel. That was not to us as the New Testament Church." In some cases, that's true. In this case, I, I don't think that that's true. I think this is uh, a general for everyone. Uh, no matter what time period you were living in. And um, it's affirmed in the New Testament, all of this stuff that was covered in Leviticus as well. So yeah, it's right. it's very heavy and, and it can make Christians either one kind of kind of cower away or two can go to the opposite end to where we just kind of want to use the truth that we have as a weapon against people. Mm-hmm. And I think both of those sides are dangerous and we have to mm-hmm. find that middle ground. Yeah, exactly. Because even God here himself, God is not saying that the person is detestable. He's just saying that the act is detestable. So, of course, you know, as Christians, we can't be cruel to people who struggle. And for example, there's a man actually named Caleb Kaltenbach. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's kind of uh, a bigger name in in um, talking about homosexuality as somebody who was raised by three gay parents. Hmm. And so he was he was raised in that culture. He grew up in it. He walked um, in all the gay parades and he said he ended up hating Christians from a very early age because these mean Christians would come to these parades and like bash them. They would, uh, you know, throw urine on them, all sorts of crazy stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, exactly what you said. It can go in one extreme to the next where it's like, oh, we're going to treat people who are homosexual or gay as filthy, as uh, abominable, as whatever, when in actuality, God always is trying to draw people to him and God loves everybody. But yet the act of homosexuality is wrong and is said to be detestable, but the person is not. God is always drawing that person to him, if that makes sense. And on top of that, kind of what you said before, which was, you know, um, actually, I don't specifically remember exactly what you said, but (laughs) it says here in verse 24, don't defile yourselves with any of these things. Oh, that's right. That's what I wanted to say. So you said that it was reaffirmed that uh, many of these sexual sins mentioned here were like reaffirmed as wrong in the New Testament. And I think that even is stated here a little bit. Because God is saying that the land became defiled by all of these sexual sins. And that includes the ones we were talking about in Leviticus 18, 1 through 18, when we talked about that on Wednesday. That includes all of these, not just, you know, one or two, but every single sexual sin we see here was causing the land to become defiled. So this is not just speaking to just the Israelite people. I believe this is talking about how... Any, anybody should follow these rules because otherwise, what does it say here? I mean, these are some really intense words. The, word, the land's going to vomit you out. I mean, oh, I hate that word vomit. But like, <laughs> it's a nasty word. But God is saying here that when 
people choose to do these acts that it the land is becoming defiled. So yeah, this is talking to everybody. Yeah, I think it is too. And and here's the thing too. I think a lot of times we as Christians are able to uh, pick out something that doesn't affect us. That's a that's a problem or a temptation for others. And we get up on our high horse and we're like, ooh, those fill in the blank. In, in this case, we may be talking about homosexuals. I don't have and never have had a problem with same-sex attraction. And you probably haven't either. But we tend to get on that high horse because that's not something that's a that's a temptation for me. So we can kind of point our fingers at that and say, ooh, you, you're so bad, you're this, you're that, and use these scriptures to kind of back that up. And I think that's a very, that, that's dangerous. And that's, quite frankly, that's wrong. That's not exact, that's not at all what this is, what this is saying. When, when I, I think when he's talking about the, the land being, uh, it, it, it includes not just these sexual sins, but it's including everything, what you're talking about in Leviticus chapter 18 and all the rest of the laws that aren't being followed, that it's just the, the downward spiral of sin and how uh, sin, it, it just makes a, not only human beings, but, but, but the land itself, it, we're in a broken system. It just makes us uh, far away from God. It just gets us away from what God originally intended. And so um, it, it's, it's easy for us, like I say, to, to pick on one or two little things that, that uh, because, because here's the thing we, I think all of us, uh, no gay people have friends that are gay, whole thing, work with folks. And uh, our job is not to demean them or treat them differently than you would treat any other person. Our, our job is to make sure that, hey, you know, a, a lot, and I'll just be honest with, with my with my friends that are, that are gay, I know where they stand. They know where I stand. We don't talk about it a whole lot, but we both know that, that what we, we have a, a chance to just agree to disagree. And I think that's, that's uh, sometimes what it comes down to is you have to make sure you're living your life uh, following Jesus. And sometimes that might cost you a friendship. Sometimes that may cost you a job or a promotion or whatever. Uh, but the thing to remember is that I go to that scripture in the new Testament as much as it relies on you, you know, be at peace with people. You know, I don't think, I think because sometimes as Christians, um, we see these, these issues. And again, I think their issues are not issues that are problems for me. Like there may be some people who, uh, who don't have a problem with overeating, you know, they can, they can stand up with their highest. Well, why don't you just quit eating? You know, what's wrong with you? You're glutton. You know, this person saying, Hey, this is a struggle for me. I, I, I have problem with this in this area. So don't, don't, you know, beat me over the head with it. Help me, you know? And, um, and for some reason that's so much easier for us in an issue like gluttony than it is to say something to a person who's maybe struggling with same sex attraction. Here's the thing. I, I have to stop you for a second. So, um, <laughs> So actually, that was something I struggled with for a very long time. And I don't tell people that because um, it's something that I don't air publicly. But now I guess I am. Mm. But um, I struggled with same sex attraction for a very long time, even into my married years. And what happened was it was festering inside of me so much that I could barely look at my husband because I felt so 
ashamed of myself. So at that point, finally, when I verbalized it to my husband and I verbalized it to my pastor and even now, every time I talk about it, it's just a little bit more freeing. And I've kind of come to learn that, um, you know, God's way is best. Because after I talked to my husband about that, he was so gentle and loving towards me when I finally verbalized that. And my husband was like so gentle. And my pastor, when I told my pastor, he actually sat down with me beforehand before I said one word and he could tell by the look on my face. And he just said to me, he's like, Jen, no matter what you're about to tell me, just know that I still love you. And that was that was so freeing for me to actually verbalize it. And just me doing that, I've realized that God's way is best. My husband, just once again, being so loving, I realized that that is the way a marriage should be, you know? And I think my husband and I have a very strong relationship because I don't need to worry about feeling condemned when I discuss stuff with my husband, when I tell him my struggles. And, you know, same for him with me. Like he can talk freely and openly about uh, stuff that is str- he's struggling with and we are able to help each other. And that is the way a relationship is supposed to be. The, the way God designed marriage was two people being there for each other and having that relationship of love with each other. That's, first of all, thank you to your pastor and to your husband. And that is something I think the enemy wants us to do in so many areas of our life is to feel isolated, to feel like we're all alone in this. You're saying you're a Christian and you're struggling with this. Nobody's going to believe you. Nobody's going to accept you over this. And the the truth of the matter is uh, there may be people like that, but there's more that are not. More Christians, if I think if more Christians were to step up and say, hey, you know what? I have this struggle. I think that is freeing to other people's to say, hey, you know what? Me too. I I, I, I yeah. have mm-hmm. walked down that road, you know, and then there's community. Then there's an, an ability to say, okay, here's, here's how um, God has showed me some things, or this is something that I felt like God led me down to do. And, 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 and then it just opens up so much. And I just think, hiding in the shadows in anything. I mean, it, it goes back to the original sin with, you know, in the garden of Eden, you know, where, where was Adam and Eve? They were hiding. They were, they were ashamed and, and they were isolated. They were isolating themselves. That's just not right. I mean, now, you know, there, that's not to say there wasn't, you know, obviously there wasn't uh, consequences for their sin, but there was also re- restoration available too. And that's, that's, I think what we, um, as church members, a lot of times don't don't get right or don't practice enough. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's very true, because anytime you see scripture and you look at it and, you know, somebody does something wrong when they turn back to God, God is always like there to embrace them. And I was always. always. And so I was reading. What was I reading recently? Uh, just a tiny book of the Bible. Um, but it literally said that. Uh, what was it? It was one of the tiny prophets. But in that book, God was saying to his people, I am angry with you guys. And they actually turned and listened to what God had to say. And the second they did, God comes back with a message and says, I am here. And he says, I am Mm. here for you is what it said. And he's like, I'm going to bless you. So then the people continue following God and God like grew his relationship with his people. And uh, he was saying that 
what, what was he saying? Something about the um, the governor of that region was be- going to become like a jewel for his hand because that governor had turned towards God and uh, started following him. So, yeah, I mean, God always, I believe, is gentle with people. I think he always, uh, you know, embraces people that um, want to come back to him, no matter what they've done in the past. I truly believe that. I, I look at it as... I look at it as uh, uh, the ultimate parent relationship because the parents know what I'm saying when when you say that, you know, the last thing you want to do is discipline your child. You love your child, you, 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 but you want them to get back behaving or acting the way that they should. And the last thing you want to do is is to discipline them. But sometimes you have to. Sometimes it's like, OK, I don't want to do this, but you're making me. And I read that over and over in scripture, especially in the Old Testament, you know, I think people who don't know the Bible as well, they look at God as so judgmental in the Old Testament and ready to just strike people down at a moment's notice. If you really carefully look at it, he's, it's almost him begging. I don't want to have to do this. Please come back and repent and let's, let's get back to, to a right relationship. But if you choose not to, you're going to, you're going to face the consequences. And I don't want that for you, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's, uh, that's a lot of it. Yeah, exactly. Especially going back to our passage for today, where it says in verses 24 through 28, that the land had become defiled from the people. And like, that was the consequence of all of these sexual sins, every single one of them. Yeah. I mean, the land, I mean, you go back to even the original, uh, sin with Adam and Eve. I mean, there was a curse put on the land because of, of sin. And um, that's just brokenness and rebellion against God. And again, I don't, I know that we're dealing specifically with this passage of scripture, which deals with sexual sin, but I don't, I don't want it to come off as we're just banging against homosexuality or just banging against, you know, uh, you know, taking uh, somebody that's, you know, not your wife, you know, uh, family members, wife, whatever. But but just I mean, it's it's sin in general. And that's what causes the divide with us in God. And uh, sexual sin will separate you just like anything else is. And if, you know, on our podcast, we always look for where's the hope? How do we find hope? And and to me, I think the hope is, there is that um, that sexual sin, uh, as it's outlined here, brings consequences for sure. But the hope is it, it's no worse or no better than anything else. I think a lot of times we as Christians, again, uh, people uh, like, say, my age, and especially the older generation than me, and I don't want to loop, loop everybody in, but the old, you know, they didn't know any people that struggled with same-sex attraction. They didn't know any homosexual people. So therefore it was easier to say, oh, well, we can't, you know, those people over there. Well, now we live in such a culture where those people are now everybody or at least seemingly so, you know, it's, it's completely out in the open, completely accepted by our society. So now we as Christians have this choice. Now, are we going to continue to look at them as outsiders or are we going to present the love of God the way that he says to present it, to accept them as people. But just what you said at the very top, I can't agree with everything. Your lifestyle can't agree with everything. And I, I want to be your friend, but I, I, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, water down or, or try to make the scripture say what it doesn't say. 
but I'm here, I'm here for you as a friend and I'm here for you as, as just, just a, you know, another human, you know, I have a little analogy I like to make. So I like to say that, you know, let's just say that, uh, grace, it's the French fries. Okay. So like (laughs) when you get French fries, you like them, right? But they're kind of boring and tasteless if they don't have salt on them. And so the salt is the truth. So you're supposed to season those French fries with truth. You know, let's just say the French fries is acceptance and love. You're supposed to season them with truth. But if there's, you know, too much acceptance, you're missing that truth that flavors the French fries. And so it's a balance of the two. You can't have too much truth. Otherwise, those French fries will be unedible because it's going to be so salty. You're not going to be able to eat them. And you can't have too little salt because then at that point, you know, the French fries are just kind of gross. And <laughs> I, know, I like that. I think that's I think that's really good. I, I think that's what we are called to do. I, I just, you know, again, the, the longer I'm a Christian and trying to live for God and trying to just learn the lessons that he's showing me is they're they're always two extremes. And it seems like the where the sweet spot is where he wants us is, is more in the middle you know, never, never one extreme or the other, but, but just right there in the middle, because we, we have to, we, we have to accept people who they are, where they are, but that doesn't deny the fact that there's truth there as well. It's just what you're saying. I think that's a really good, uh, little clever analogy. It's really good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't remember where I heard that, or if I made that up or if my husband told me that or what, but I've been using that for a while. Yeah, I mean, people do need to hear the truth, even if the truth stings a little bit. Absolutely. And that that's another thing I think a lot of times is people will say, how can a loving God say this or say that? And, and, I, and I think a lot of times my answer to that is a love sometimes means not always uh, telling people what they want to hear, but telling them the truth. That's what love is. And I think that's what God is doing in this in this uh, passage of scripture is saying, uh, look, I don't want you as my people that are, that are called that, that are called by my name to, to be acting like the others. I mean, again, I go back to the parent analogy. It's like, well, you know, you come in and you're doing something and you're like, mom, dad, everybody else is doing it. And what's the parents answer? Too bad. <laughs> well, no, well, no, well, well no. It's, it's like, I don't care. I don't care what yeah. the other kids are doing. You're my child and I want you to act yeah. this way. And I think that's the way God, God uh, does it is the, that he's, he's concerned with us as his children. And he knows that not everybody is going to buy in and accept, but that doesn't change the fact that we still have to be the salt on the French fries. Yeah, you're right. You can't just be all fries. You got to have a little salt there. Uh, to to stand where the Bible says stand, but not do so in a way that alienates people or that drives them away. Because what's the point in that? If you do that, you're you're still missing the boat. You're, you're just, I, I would go so far as to say that if you are using the Bible or using Scripture to alienate people, to make people feel less than, or to just be a kind of righteous indignation and pointing a finger and not telling people the truth in love and telling the people, telling people uh, from a heart of, Hey, I just want to let you know what the word says versus taking it and making it uh, a weapon and you're alienating people. Then you're, then you're just as bad as they are. 
it, you know, mm-hmm. as far as not doing what God has called us to do. And, you know, Steve, the one thing I think is uh, interesting here is, you know, this, the, I think the reason people get very offended by some of this stuff is because, um, you know, it's no longer just a, an act that people do anymore. It's become part of their identity on many of these. And I'm not just talking about uh, specifically homosexuality, but really a lot of these could go back to a person's identity. And so, or at least what they believe is their identity. So I'd love for you to um, talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind, and and uh, just go into what you think about that. Oh, I think so. I think a lot of times uh, you hear from people who are uh, living a homosexual lifestyle that they don't call it a lifestyle. They'll, they'll even get offended by using that word because this is not a lifestyle. This is who I am. This is the way God made me. And I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of the way that God uh, made me and and to for me to live or act any other way is a lie. And that's a very slippery slope that a lot of Christians have to sometimes deal with. How do you handle that question? How do you uh, uh, verse in, in light of what we were looking at in Leviticus chapter 18? And I think a lot of times is uh, people will define themselves uh, not exclusively, not 100 percent by their sexuality, but, but that's what we see in our culture a lot of times. And honestly, I don't know that I have any kind of really words of wisdom other than this is, this is what the Bible has said, that it is something that is a behavior and that it can be overcome. Now I'm not for, uh, there's these, you know, these camps that are, you know, supposed to deprogram people from being homosexual or something. Absolutely not. I'm, I'm not about that. The only thing that can change people's hearts is Jesus Christ, period. And until somebody comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, whether it's homosexuality or gossiping or overeating or any other thing you can mention as a sin, it's not going to change until Christ comes into their life because Christ changes people. Yeah, thanks for, uh, you know, discussing this. And I do appreciate you coming on the podcast. And I asked him this morning, I'm like, are you okay with talking about this passage of scripture? <laughs> <laughs> well, you well, originally, uh, you asked me, let's talk about Leviticus. And I was like, oh, okay, great. You know, because I think so many people with Leviticus are just like, ooh, I don't want to talk about that. That's no fun. That's boring. Nobody likes the book of Leviticus. Well, I, I disagree. I mean, obviously, it's one of the books of the Bible. God has it in there for a reason. So there's something mm-hmm. there for us to learn from, right? So I thought it would be fun to be able to talk about it. And then, yeah, you said, oh, yeah, let's talk about this particular passage. And I was like, of all the passages. No, but that's why it, It's fine. It, because you're right. As uncomfortable as it is a lot of times, it does need to be talked about. It does need to be brought up. This is where God's stand standard is, and it is just what you talked about at the at the very opening that it mentions rejection of behavior versus rejection of pe- of people. If there's one thing that we take away from this whole little section of scripture, is that that's what that is. It's the rejection of behavior versus rejection of people. Exactly, and that just reminds me of the story of when uh, the people brought the adulterous woman to Jesus, and you know Jesus said. Whoever doesn't sin among all of you guys, go ahead and cast the first stone at her. And that just reminds me of that. And um, one thing I'm, I'm kind of becoming aware to is that 
because we live in a broken world, all of us are sexually broken is what I believe. And, um, you know, because of that, we can't exactly toss a stone at uh, somebody else that might be struggling with that stuff because we have to look inwardly first. You know, we have to look inwardly, just as Jesus told those Pharisees to do when he brought Je- when they brought Jesus that uh, adulterous woman. Well, thank you, Steve, so much for coming on the podcast and being uncomfortable with me. Leviticus eighteen. I look at it this way: if you if you uh, are silly enough to ever want to have me back. It's going to be so much easier. Yeah. If we've covered Leviticus 18, we can cover anything. That is true. (laughs) I think that's very true. I I do think that this is one of the most uncomfortable portions of scripture to talk about, honestly. Just, uh, but yeah. But you know, Steve, thank you so much. I do appreciate it. And uh, for all the listeners listening in, if you would like to, um, you know, uh, check out Steve more and see what he does, you can go to steveandbethany.com. And that's the name of his co-host once again. And don't forget, she's going to be on the podcast soon. So definitely tune in for that episode as well. Though I don't think I'll make her nearly as uncomfortable as Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll love it. She, she was already all about me having to be uncomfortable with this passage of scripture. <laughs> Maybe sometimes it's good to be a little uncomfortable. Absolutely. Well, Jen, thank you so much. It, it was, it has been a pleasure to join you and to talk about this and, um, I, I'm I'm game to do this anytime. This has been fun. Yeah, it has been fun. Thanks, Steve. And yeah, you're absolutely welcome to come back on again. All right, friends and faithful listeners, as I say at the end of every single podcast episode, happy listening and God bless.